the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the KFAX Ministry of the Week. Each week we highlight a local ministry that is impacting the community in Jesus' name. Our hope is to connect you to a ministry in which you can grow and serve in Christ's kingdom. And now your host for the Ministry of the Week, Craig Roberts. Welcome to The Conversation. Joining us today in studio is the senior pastor of Cummings Park Church in Menlo Park, Pastor Memphis Latchison, who also hosts the program So Loved, heard Sunday evenings at 9 p.m. right here on KFAX. We'll tell you a bit more about the program a little bit later on in our conversation. Meanwhile, Pastor Latchison, great to have you with us today. Glad to be here. Thanks. You are a Bay Area kid, born and raised, I understand, originally from uh, Pittsburgh. That's correct. Uh, I was actually born in Martinez and, and, and raised in Pittsburgh. I uh, graduated from Pittsburgh High School, and so I'm definitely a, a Bay Area kid for sure. Graduate from Pittsburgh High School, and uh, you also spent some time, I understand, back in uh, Atlanta. You, uh, you got your degree in sociology at Morehouse College. Yeah, yeah, great experience. Uh, wouldn't change that for the world. Um, went to, to college in 1997. Graduated, took me a little longer than what I expected, but graduated 2002. Uh, had a great experience there. Uh, that's definitely where God um, showed me my call on my life and, and, and really spoke to me about pastoring. Some folks would say, gee, a pastor with a degree in sociology. Well, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Given the human condition and the challenges that we all face, has, was that something that was intentional in terms of deciding to study sociology heading into full-time ministry? Well, not necessarily. Um, I actually kind of started off thinking I wanted to go into poli-sci and maybe even go the lawyer route, Mm -hmm. you know. But um, after taking a few sociology classes, I thought, wow, and really studying the the, the subject, I thought that, wow, this would be a great way to uh, learn about um, different types of groups of people and how... Uh, they operate, um, how we uh, distinguish between them, um, and then apply that to the church because uh, within the church you're going to have a lot of different types of groups of people. And so that was kind of my logic there, just learning to study different types of groups of people so that way I can apply that somehow to the church. Um, And then not to mention, you know, also that um, Martin Luther King graduated from Morehouse College, and uh, I was always a big fan of his and he studied sociology there. So that kind of also led me in that direction, too. So This is an interesting trajectory that the Lord has taken you down. I'll, I'll mention as an aside that you also have a degree, a master's degree in business administration from Keller Graduate School of Management. So sociology, interest in poli-sci, you have mm-hmm. got a background in management, and mm-hmm. here you are as a full-time pastor. And mm-hmm. some listeners right now must be thinking, wow, this is, a, this is an interesting path that the Lord has, has led you down. Give me the sense when when did, uh, when did you start to begin to see sort of the, the pieces fitting together and the Lord specifically calling you into ministry? Yeah, so um, specifically it, it happened um, back in 1997, right after I graduated from high school. I, I kind of 
um, like most high schoolers during that time after you graduate are kind of not really sure what you're going to do. Um, I had a couple of different options, um, and I, I actually wanted to go to UC Davis originally to play basketball because I was a big basketball person, and um, that ended up not working out. Uh, got accepted into Morehouse College. Um, wasn't really sure I wanted to go that far away to Atlanta, um, but after speaking to a couple of my mentors, um, they they kind of influenced me in that direction, said it would be a great opportunity. But um, the interesting thing is that I, I didn't um, have uh, money to go. Uh, hadn't I'd say this more than just interesting. This is a big problem. <laughs> right, big, big problem. I was accepted, but I didn't have any, any scholarships, didn't have any money. Um, really, uh, you know, hadn't really looked into financial aid either. I, I think we had applied, but hadn't really looked into that. But um, I kind of really just went out there on faith because um, I felt that God, you know, had spoke to me, this is where I want you to go. And so, uh, interesting, me and my mom just got on the plane, had never been there before, uh, got to the airport, and um, when we got there, uh, we had taken a a bus uh, to the school, and um, while I was there at the school, uh, I saw all these students lined up, and uh, they they were being turned away if they didn't have their financial aid in order and if they uh, didn't have the money. Wow. And, and, so, and you basically arrived with an app, with an acceptance letter. That's it. And that's it. And that's wow. it, yeah. And so um, I really felt that God was you know, calling me to graduate from this school and attend this school, and I felt that I just needed to just speak with someone that could actually help and do something about my situation, maybe the president, somebody, right? Um <clears throat> But I got discouraged, and I went back. Uh, we ended up going all the way back to the, the airport after seeing all these other young men being turned away. And uh, when I was at the airport, uh, interesting enough, I'm kind of giving you the short version, I saw um, three young ladies coming off the, the plane. And this is kind of you know going into detail about how I got called into the ministry. And um, these three young ladies, I kind of recognized them from uh, this Christian group called Out of Eden. And I used to listen to, to them quite a bit, and I said, wow, that looks like this, this, this Christian group called Out of Eden. I spoke with them, told them why I was there. They ended up um, t- encouraging me to, to, to keep the faith and, and go back to the school and, and see what God would do. Um, and the thing about it was they happened to, to, to go back and forth uh, to Pittsburgh, California, where I'm from, and they attended a church in Pittsburgh, and their father had lived in Pittsburgh. I had no idea, but we're meeting all the way in Atlanta, just happenstance. And so they encouraged me to, to, to go back to the school. So I told my mom, she ended up calling the school, talking with someone on the phone. The lady happened to be a Christian, and the lady said, you know what, I have just the person that, that can help you. We're going to send a Morehouse van over there to pick you up and bring you back. And so um, we end up going back to the school. Long story short, I end up speaking with the vice provost and saying to him, you know, sir, I don't have any money to go here, um, but I know this is where God has called me to be. Um, and, you know, I'll work, I'll, I'll do whatever I need to do, you know, to, to pay for it. But as of right now, I don't, I don't have any, any money to go here. He said, son, you know, don't worry about it. We're going to make sure you graduate here from, from school because we could see that you, you, you have purpose. And they end up giving me $8,000 to start me off, just free. That right there got me to a point to where, of course, I graduated, right? Um, but 
during that time, during my matriculation through that, I ended up really having some other experiences with God, too, that really allowed me to um, see that he had called me into the ministry. Um, and this was, you know, when I was about 18 years old. Um, and um, one of the, the biggest things that was on my mind when going out there was that I needed to find um, a church home that I can get connected with because like so many college youth, when they go off, they fall away, right? But that was something I didn't want to happen, and I knew that one of the the ways that I was going to not allow that to happen was to get connected to a good church. And so for a good part of my time, I was visiting churches, trying to figure out which one was the right one. Good collection there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So so long story short, you know, that that whole um, time that I was there, um, God, God really began to just grow me up and mature me for ministry. Take us back. Had you been raised in a Christian home? I had not. Um, interesting, I, I started off uh, in when I was about, I would say, five years old. I started off in a Christian science. And we had some people that we knew, uh, at least my mom knew them, that were family members that went to a Christian science church, Mary Baker, Eddie. Oh, yes. Um, and, uh, you know, I kind of... During that time, I remember learning about the Ten Commandments in, in children's ministry, uh, and that was something that always stu- stood with me. Uh, my mom would also um, recite the Lord's Prayer with us at nighttime, but we weren't, we weren't devout. You know, we would go here and there. And then there was a period uh, when I went into, I would say, about 10 years old, where um, we just didn't go to church at all, just didn't go to church at all. So uh, wasn't really raised in the church in that sense. Um, had that beginning in, in Christian science. And then, you know, as, as I got older, uh, I began to really feel that um, I had a purpose for my life. And one of the things that really um, allowed me to, to, to realize that was um, when I was younger, there was someone that was close to us that had died. And I had, um, I, and I was probably about six years old, I think, somewhere around that time. And I had wondered, okay, what what happens to people when they die, and where do they go? You know, um, do they just disappear? And you know, so these were questions that I was answering that my mom didn't have an answer for me. You know, she would just answer the the the, the, the typical uh, answer: they go to heaven, everyone goes to heaven. You know, <laughs> and so um, so I really at that age I really began to to seek like purpose because I, I kind of logically realized that you know. Um, Everyone dies, and if everyone dies, and if God is real, then he has a, a purpose for why we're here. And, and for whatever reason that we're here, we need to make sure that we, we, we fulfill our purpose before we die. So, so that way, you know, we don't face him one day and say, purpose incomplete, <laughs> you know. And so I really began to seek what my purpose was for, for a long time, and it wasn't until you know, I, I became 18 that I really realized that I was called to be a pastor and I was literally put on the earth to pastor and to lead people to God. Um, but from about age 14, uh, the, um, 1997, actually October 31st, 1993, um, October 31st is when I got saved. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And from that point on, I began to realize that, you know, this is my purpose, you know, and began to I, for a long part of it, I thought it was to play basketball too, like like many of us play sports, you know. But 
I, I realized that God had a higher calling for me when, when I turned 18. You've, so. uh, you know, in the role as, as a pastor, obviously teaching is a big part of what you do. Yes. Uh, in fact, you have sort of a, a dual profession here in so that you are um, a, a staff member at Santa Clara University in the theology department. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk a bit about that in mm-hmm. a moment. Mm-hmm. But this sense of of imparting knowledge and teaching is something that really has been part of your DNA since the beginning, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I really believe in teaching the Word of God with simplicity and understanding, and actually that's uh, our vision. Our vision at Cummings Park Church is to um, teach the Word of God with simplicity and understanding. And then the second part of that is to raise up uh, godly, um, Christ-like leaders uh, in three places, in the church, the family, and in the community. And so um, those are big pieces, you know, of my ministry teaching, because uh, I really feel that, you know, in many churches, there's a lot of hooping and hollering, and there's a lot of just entertainment, right? But not enough teaching. And and when people, you know, go to church, they end up feeling good in service, and, and they have a good show. But, you know, at the end of the day, they don't have anything to take back home with them that's going to help them through the challenges of life. Anybody who enjoys a good uh, T-bone steak will tell you that uh, the most flavorful part is in the sizzle. Yeah, But what you really need is the meat of the word. You need the steak. That's it. That's it. And and so I'm, you know, if you come to my ministry and you hear even our our radio program, So Loved, uh, you're going to see that I'm, I'm... I like going line upon line, precept upon precept, and and taking, you know, the Word of God and really um, going through the Bible on different subjects and seeing what the Bible has to say. Uh, So that way we can, you know, get rid of all of our our, our, uh, non-biblical teachings, uh, non-biblical experiences, and really let the Word of God shape, you know, our life and our experience and, and our train of thought. The passion for that as foundation to what you're doing in your ministry, certainly in your life, where do you think that comes from? You you shared with me off the air that you came from a somewhat challenging family background. From an early age, I made some decisions that I was going to be committed to God. Um, and I had a challenging background where I grew up in a family where there's lots of alcoholism um, and um uh, my dad wasn't around, but he was an alcoholic. Uh, my mom was an alcoholic during that time. Um, and the, the men that she was dating in and out of her life were alcoholics also. And for a long period of time from the age seven to about 14, actually right around the time when we got saved, uh, actually me and my family got saved, me and my sister and my mom got saved all together. Um, we lived with a, with a, with a gentleman that... Um, he, he was an alcoholic. And I mean, and he was one of the most functional alcoholics I've ever known. <laughs> I mean, this this man um, uh, would wake up in the morning and, and he would be ready to go to work, but he would be drinking all night. Probably one of the, the only people that I know of um, that, that actually could do that. But I grew up around this and, and, and uh, grew up in a lot of domestic violence in the household also. And I saw, you know, alcohol as something that was really kind of tearing my family apart. Uh, and and so I made a commitment uh, at a young age, you know what, I will never be like that. I will never um, drink alcohol. And to this day, I have not uh, touched alcohol. I have not uh, allowed it to go into my mouth at all. And so I'm very thankful for that, for, for the grace of God, you know, being able to give me that ability to do that too. But um, even with, um, with, you know, my family members, there's been a lot of mental illness in my family. 
um, my sister, uh, my beloved sister, should I say, uh, she actually took her own life um, uh, about, I'd say about 2009, um, so, so about seven, seven or eight years ago. And um, she was a heavy drinker, heavy drinker, um, heavy, uh, had a lot of mental illness going on in her life, uh, depression, um, bipolar, just a lot of, lot of um, mental illness in and out of the hospital. Um, but, you know, when she um, took her life, she called me. She called me the same night and um, wanted to talk to me, you know, and uh, she was had been drinking, obviously, uh, and... You know, not to get, you know, make this real somber, but, you know, she told me, uh, you know, I'm sitting here with the gun and I'm, a, I'm about to about to take my life. And obviously I was trying to convince her not to, you know, call uh, 911. And I was in California at the time and she had been in Georgia um, and, you know, she actually ended up taking her life that same night. Um, but, you know, a lot of this, you know, I, I, I saw um, alcohol had a, a really big, big part in this, you know. And, and, and even the Bible talks about how, you know, uh, let them that that um, want to, to to be sorrowful in their life, just drink their lives away, you know. And, and you know, I don't want to come across as someone that's, you know, just, you know, adamantly against alcohol because I, I don't think that, you know, there's anything per se wrong with simply drinking alcohol. But when you begin to abuse it and you begin to uh, get drunk, and you begin to uh, uh, become someone that continues to, to depend on that, to escape reality, then obviously there is something very wrong with that. And I think too many people deal with that. And, and, and we need to help them somehow, too. You know? And clearly you've seen from your family life experience um, the turmoil, the pain that results from that. And it's mm-hmm. fascinating because a magnet against another magnet, dependent upon how the poles are situated, can either attract or repel. Mm-hmm. Some people that would grow up in that kind of an environment, mm-hmm. having been around alcohol all the time, mm-hmm. are oftentimes attracted and pulled into it. Mm-hmm. In your mm-hmm. case, though, it, it repelled you. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've, I've wondered about that myself, too, because, you know, um, I wondered, you know, how, how did I know to make a good decision, you know, in these experiences? Because a lot of people in these experiences— um, you know, growing up without a father, growing up in this type of environment, you know, I should have turned out the same way, you know, st- st- statistically speaking, right? But I didn't. And, I, you know, I, I mean, obviously I, I want to credit it, you know, to the grace of God, but actually I also think that there's some there's some level of me realizing, too, what God is doing in my life. And, and making then, choices. And then making choices, exactly, making a choice and a decision that, you know what, I'm not going to let this uh, be my um, destination. I'm not going to let this ruin my life and, and actually realizing that, you know, and then, and then making the, the right decision, you know, throughout, the, throughout my life. And, and so that was something I did. And then the other thing was I realized that, you know, I can't do anything without God. There's nothing. And so for, for a, you know, for the majority of my life from the age 14, I, I've been so devoted to God. Not to say I've been perfect because I haven't, uh, and, and no one is, but, um, you know, if I find myself slipping or, or making bad decisions, one thing I can say is that I always do is I always know how to come back to God, you know, and not continue in, you know, the, the, you know, the, 
the, the wayward way uh, that, that goes against what God teaches, you know. You also work in the theology department at Santa Clara University. People say, well, wait a minute. Now, what's a good Protestant boy doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Working at a Catholic university is fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, you know, I, I really feel God led me in that direction. Uh, I, you know, I, I often ask God, God, why do you still even have me working a, a, a daytime job? I want to be able to just focus, you know, just um, uh, completely and totally on, on ministry without any distractions. But, you know, I really believe God has me there uh, for a specific reason, not only just to learn uh, myself, but also to help others learn. You know, and, and I've developed some great relationships um, since I've been there. Um, I've been able to talk theology, you know, with people, with students. Uh, I, I often um, am around uh, priests and, 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 and specifically Jesuit priests, um, it, which is uh, very interesting conversations that we have. But um, it's definitely been a, a great experience that I think is molding me and, and, and helping to develop uh, character and, and really even um, sharpen my purpose and, and what he's called me to do at my church and, and uh, even even to sharpen my theology also. Um, and so um, it's definitely been a great, a great experience uh, working there for, for Santa Clara University. That, uh, yeah. Iron sharpening iron. Iron yeah, sharpening iron. Yeah. always a yeah, good that's thing. That's right. That's right. As yeah. we conclude our conversation today, Pastor, and I so much appreciate you taking time to be with us, um, say a word. We talked earlier and at some length about the loss of your sister, her suicide sure, some sure. years ago. And there are e- people eavesdropping on this conversation today that say, wow, you hit home. Mm-hmm. I have struggled with the loss of a loved one, a friend. Mm-hmm. I have dealt with this feeling of if I had only said something, if I had only been there, if I'd only loved more, done more, talked more, mm-hmm. maybe the outcome might have been different. To the person that's just dealing with a tremendous sense of guilt over what has transpired, what words of encouragement can you share with them? Yeah, so... I would say to that person um, that you have to you have to forgive yourself. You have to forgive yourself, and you have to know that you know there are always things that, yeah, you know, we could have done certain things better. We could have said things better. We could have, you know, paid more attention. We could have took things more seriously. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you have to know that. Um, it's not your fault and you have to forgive yourself and you have to receive the forgiveness that God has for you. And you have to know too, that again, God, you know, he's so much smarter than us and that's an understatement, (laughs) but he has everything in control. He has everything in control, you know, and, um, we have to find a way to learn from, of course, our, our, our decisions that we've made and learn from our experiences and allow those experiences to build character in our life, you know, allow those experiences to teach us and to help us to make better decisions next time. And that's really all you can do. That's really all you can do, you know, you, you, and we, we ought not to go around beating ourselves up. We ought not go around um, holding that guilt. We have to release that guilt. Um, and we have to know that, you know, that you are forgiven and that, you know, God loves you, of course. And, and from this day forward, you know, just do your best from that 
point forward and 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 allow that experience to 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 just um allow you to minister to other people just like how I'm doing now, you know, with the the experience that I had. You've heard, no doubt, in our conversation today, a great deal of depth in the ministry of Pastor Memphis Latchison. If you'd like to find out more, you can certainly do so by going to cummingsparkchurch.org. The church is located at 531 Pierce Road in Menlo Park. What are your service times? So we meet at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning, and then we also meet at 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights. We also do have prayer at 6.30 on Wednesday nights and prayer at uh, 10.30. And, of course, uh, you can get more information by calling the church at area code 650-323-1577. That's 650-323-1577. Or, again, online at cummingsparkchurch.org. Don't forget the broadcast, So Loved, Sunday evenings at 9 p.m. right here on KFAX. And our thanks to Pastor Memphis Latchison, Senior Pastor at Cummings Park Church, for being with us today. Thanks so much, Pastor, for the Thank time. Thank you, Craig. Thank you for listening to the KFAX Ministry of the Week. More information about this week's highlighted ministry is available at kfax.com. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.